All right, we are back for part two of hysterectomy. Hello and welcome to the New School OBGYN podcast, a podcast in women's health, but for everyone. Our goal is to promote good and reliable knowledge because the source of our inf- or your information matters. My name is Eric Schmidt, I'm board certified OBGYN, and back again with Dr. Olga Valieva today to discuss hysterectomy. Again, hello. Big topic, so we decided to break it up into a total of three episodes at this point. I was just about to ask how many parts we're doing. We're doing three parts. Awesome. Uh, if you didn't catch the podcast last time, episode one, check that out, uh, or part one, I should say. Um, we talked about what is a hysterectomy and common FAQ and misconceptions about it and what to ask your doctor if you think you need a hysterectomy. Um, today, we're going to be going more over the route. Um, we'll even go over some surgical video and um, we're going to discuss oophorectomy or not, which is the removal of the ovaries mm. or not. I and suppose this would be a good time to say viewer discretion advised. There will, <laughs> I think I do have to click a button on YouTube because yeah. um, there could be some sensitive content. Um, but since it's my surgery, you know, it's going to be good. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Olga, let us give us a recap um, <laughs> about the different routes of hysterectomy. Um, I mean, there's only really one good, I'm just kidding. So there are three, 3.5 ways of doing hysterectomy. <laughs> there, there's a lot of words here you're going to hear. And so bear All with right. us. So, um, abdominal hysterectomy would be one route. That's when you make an incision in the abdomen, either vertically up and down or across kind of like a C-section, mm-hmm. uh, typically reserved for more difficult slash challenging slash larger uteruses. Um, second option is laparoscopic. That's where we make several small incisions, usually less than a centimeter or maybe a little bit bigger, um, across the abdomen and then remove the uterus either vaginally or through one of the smaller incisions or lastly, vaginally, uh, where we don't make any abdominal incisions and just make a cut in the vagina. I said 3.5 just because you can add laparoscopic component mm-hmm. to vaginal surgery. So I don't know if that's considered a route. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't trying to make consider that. A la- do you consider that a vaginal main route or a it is laparoscopic main route? It is technically vaginal route, but it's coded as a laparoscopic assist vaginal hysterectomy. So murky. I've always considered it more of a laparoscopic route. I think just the way I look at it. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's all right. Okay. Um, Debatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people always ask us too about robotic mm-hmm. hysterectomy. It's just... A different form of laparoscopic. Yep. It's fancy it, laparoscopy. Right. It should yeah. be a, you know, fully laparoscopic at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a couple of points we want to go over to before we get to the video. So hang tight if you want to see that surgical video on YouTube. Um, but one, we talked a little bit about it last time, but it, I want to hit it again. Uh, remove the cervix or not. Mm-hmm. And so are we doing a total hysterectomy or a super cervical hysterectomy? Mm-hmm. You like to say just hysterectomy mm-hmm. or super cervical. Mm-hmm. Um, but we touched briefly on this before. And so, Olga, give me the argument to keep the cervix. I'm going to make you the person to you, make the argument to keep a, it. Do you have a crickets noise that uh, you can play for me? <laughs> oh, there is one. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that that's my argument. We can't see. Um, I think the only benefit of keeping a cervix is, well, I guess two. There are some people that feel they derive sexual satisfaction from their cervix. Whether that's true or not, can say um, biologically doesn't make sense, but teach their own. Uh, but really, often used for women who do have significant uterine prolapse, so you can use mesh to suspend the uterus. But short of that, there's really no 
medical benefit to keeping the cervix behind. Typically we do remove it since there's still a potential risk for cervical cancer. So if you don't have a cervix, no risk of cervical cancer, right? Um, and then two, some people still have vaginal bleeding, menstrual bleeding after a supracervical hysterectomy because some cells are left behind within the cervix. So those would be the two, let's not do it options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the best one is the best reason <laughs> if, if you're keeping your cervix is often the prolapse surgery, because mm-hmm. it's a more dense tissue to, um, you know, they sometimes use the mesh to mm-hmm. suspend or whatever to suspend the, the uterus up. And so, yeah. And then, you know, a couple other reasons which we encounter on a rare situation, which would be why someone would keep their cervix is, um, like if someone has a C-section and they have major complications and they have to do a hysterectomy, oh, yeah. often you do usually a super cervical. Don't have to, that but that's a reason. Or if someone just has such severe scar tissue from like endometriosis or something, and it's just like, well, we'd want to, if the bowel is really stuck to the yeah. posterior part of the cervix, maybe, but those, those but I mean, not, again, like, we're talking pretty rare here. Yeah. And those are more of like Ooh, so we, this just had to happen. Not as a let's make a right. choice. Right. Let's about re, this. let's let's pick the lesser of the evils right. there. Yeah. Um. Uh. If, you know, if you're going to risk mm-hmm. a bowel injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I gave you the, the the tough one. Um. And then the argument to keep the cerv or the argument to remove the cervix or perform mm-hmm. this total hysterectomy, as Olga touched on before, as long as someone hasn't had any um high grade abnormal abnormalities on their pap smear, you won't need pap smears anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no chance of that cyclic bleeding every month because of that. Some of those bleeding cells can still be in the cervix. Um, no chance of fibroids growing um, from the because the cervix people think is often just a separate part of the uterus. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a lower part of the uterus, and so it has that uterine tissue which can grow fibroids. And so, especially if someone's coming in for a fibroid surgery, I often tell them you know, we probably want to remove your cervix because mm-hmm. fibroids can grow from it. So um, maybe better for people with pelvic pain and also people, um, if you leave the cervix in place, you have to remove the uterus somehow. Mm-hmm. No chance of removing it vaginally really at that point. So yep. um, you have to make a bigger incision on the abdominal wall uh, to remove it. So may not be, maybe not too much bigger, but yeah. yeah. And then one more thing is if you don't remove it and then want to go back in and have it removed for any of the above mentioned reasons, it's a significantly more difficult surgery to perform. Yeah, so. It seems like it'd be simple, but it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely harder than just to do the yeah. total at that yeah. point. Um, ovaries. Do you want argument to remove or argument to, to, uh, keep? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm all for So I don't have to make ovaries. you the, the, yeah. Okay. You, you, you Wait, which I'll, one's the evil one? Well, not necessarily evil, okay. but you know, there's circumstances for both. Mm-hmm. Um, often, history, as we said before, with a hysterectomy and why people think of a total hysterectomy as removing the ovaries mm-hmm. is because that's just how it was done a lot mm-hmm. in the past, and so it was associated with each other. If you got your uterus out, you got your ovaries out. Yep. But so they learned from that, luckily, deal. and we learned from that, luckily. Yep. So um, now we know that the ovaries have much benefits. Um, but we do remove the ovaries in certain situations. Mm-hmm. So for patients who have a history or are known to have high risk cancer genetic mutations, like the BRCA mutation, um, we typically remove their ovaries. Um, women who have advanced endometriosis, it is technically the treatment for endometriosis removal of the ovaries. So that would be another one, obviously a discussion. And then potential for reduction of breast cancer for those that are either have a history of cancer and want to prevent recurrence or again, have that risk of genetic abnormalities. Although the former is a little bit questionable and I think it depends on the age group. So that's a bigger discussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, um, 
what age do you counsel your patients on removing the ovaries? Um, 65 or up. I mean, so if, if someone they're closer has none in their of 60s. Those, yeah, if yeah. someone doesn't have any of these big mm-hmm. issues um, and they're coming for a hysterectomy for whatever reason it is, mm-hmm. you say give or take around 65. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've done studies where they've shown that ovaries are still secreting hormones at 70 yeah. or 80, but I usually yeah. in the 60s typically is when I would say, yes, we can take them out. Yeah, luckily there's a, some pretty decent research coming mm-hmm. out in this area where... Um, you know, they're starting to learn that. And, and so I think generally people is any, you know, like I think you, for the most part, people are staying away from age 50, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is good. Um, but I think there's kind of a balance between age 55 to like 60 to 65. And so definitely a discussion um, too. Yeah. The everyone, if someone that doesn't have a cancer syndrome, the Mm -hmm. lifetime risk of ovarian cancer is one in 70. So it's Mm -hmm. about a little over 1%. And so if someone really wants to get rid of that risk, um, you can elect to have your ovaries removed. Yeah. And another one too that I consider is if they're already to doing hormone replacement therapy, then taking their ovaries is really not that much, you know, they're already supplementing their hormones, right? But if somebody who's completely asymptomatic of menopause, why would you put them through surgical menopause at that point too? Yeah. Or worsening menopausal symptoms, I guess. You mentioned, you mentioned endometriosis before mm-hmm. too. And so like if somebody um, has uh uh, history of endometriosis. Um, there's there's benefit to actually removing the ovaries and then you give them back estrogen, mm-hmm. which negates some of the the, the um, things that I'll talk about here in a second. The mm-hmm. ill side effects of removing the ovaries, and so the reason why we keep the ovaries, especially in young women, is we use this word, but it's called all, all cause mortality, or basically, um, women are getting sicker or dying sooner mm-hmm. um, if uh, we remove the ovaries too soon, especially women. Get around the age 40, 45 or younger, mm-hmm. um, their increased risk, increased risk cardiovascular disease. And so that would be like strokes and, and coronary artery disease um, increases if someone um, someone's estrogen is taken away sooner, whether that's by taking the ovaries out or other ways. But a chronic kidney disease uh, also is a one similar um, idea. And then something, again, that's getting attention a lot too is is decreased cognitive function, mm-hmm. neurotologic disease like dementia and Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to throw some numbers out there, you know, just because I don't want people to think like, oh my gosh, if this happens to me, I'm going to get dementia. Sure. I'm going to get yeah. Parkinson's. And so the, it increased about, um, if you got your ovaries out, the dementia and Parkinson's increased about um, 2.6 versus a 1.2% chance mm-hmm. Um, in women who had premenopause. And so um, definitely an increase, but um, not, you know, substantial, like, oh my gosh, you're going to get it if that Mm -hmm. happened to you. Yeah. It's not like a 50, 50. Right. Yeah. Uh, Increased chance, just quickly increased potential depression, anxiety, um, glaucoma, osteoporosis, Mm -hmm. osteoporosis is a big one. Mm -hmm. And maybe some sexual dysfunction with that, without the estrogen. The glaucoma one is interesting to me. Yeah. But, you know, I know it's that. You know, I didn't actually read too much about that one. Um, I just put it on there. <laughs> uh, so I'll give you an update on that in the future. My apologies. No, I mean, it's legit. I've just, I, it's just an interesting association that they found. But yeah. Yeah. So we have a surgical video. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch and comment on it um, here on my computer. Um, and we'll put up the video and, and maybe give some illustration too. Um, and can you see that? Okay. Me? Yeah. Okay. Get rid of yours. Um, and so this is a patient, um, in her mid forties, um, all information for patients is protected and there's no identifiers or sensitive, um, content that could identify a patient. And so, um, we took care not to do that and all patients were consented to share their, procedures um 
as long as all those things are hidden. And so what we have here, and we're going to play here in a second, is um, it's on, uh, I think, 1.5 or 2 speed. So um, I was going to say, you never <laughs> move this fast. Who is this? Are you sure it's you? <laughs> Um, so just a quick anatomy review, um, as it's, as it's playing here, what I have there is the fallopian tube. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, we didn't talk about that, but why, why do we remove the over, uh, fallopian tubes when well, they really have no business being there anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> aside from not having any more utility, uh, we have found that a lot of ovarian cancer is, um, originating from the fallopian tube, especially if you are a carrier of the previously mentioned BRCA mutation. So by removing the fallopian tubes, we do reduce the risk of ovarian cancer by close to 70%. So we take them because yeah. ovarian cancer sucks. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, fallopian tubes transport those little eggies from the ovary to the uterus to get fertilized, um, and a pregnancy. And so, um, they really don't have any for, uh, hormone form of mm-hmm. function beyond that. Yep. Um, no hormonal function. No, um, people always ask me, well, I still, you know, if someone would go and get your mm-hmm. tubes tied, it's like, are my, are my um, period's still yeah. going to be the same if you take my tubes out. So you can see the ovary there right now. And what Eric, I'm assuming that's you doing surgery, right? <laughs> that is me. That's lizard Terran, um, <laughs> yeah. through an assist port. Yeah. Um, cause I have using two arms, this is robotic surgery, by the way, laparoscopic robotic surgery. Um, the camera is in the belly button or around the belly button. And we're looking down into the pelvis going towards the bladder here. So he had just disconnected the, I guess I can't see me pointing the ovary from the uterus. And we talked about slightly increased risk of, um, when we disconnect the uterus from the ovary, there's slightly less blood going to the ovary. So that can increase the time to menopause by about six to 12 months. Yeah. To, to, um, Ovary gets its blood flow mm-hmm. from the, the most left side of the video, the pelvic sidewall, and also the uterus. And so, so yeah, he's going down all the way to the bladder, and he's looking for those uterine vessels that supply the uterus with all of its blood that are causing all the misery slash feed the baby. Oh, sorry, am I being negative feed, about this? No, feeding the fibroid. Oh, okay, feeding the, the fibroid ba- too. The baby yeah, fibroid. Yeah, baby fibroid. If you haven't got a good view of the, fi- we haven't talked about the elephant in the room there. Yeah. Um, this I was patient. Wondering when you're going to discuss it. <laughs> Uh, we comes into view more later on, um, but this is just getting the main vasculature to the mm-hmm. uterus. Um, and often I want to do that if someone has a big fibroid mm-hmm. too, because um, you, those uter- you'll see in a second the, the, the size of these blood vessels that can come to these fibroids. And so I'm trying to control blood loss um, to hope. And you know, by then in the surgery, there's probably only a teaspoon, maybe two of blood mm-hmm. loss. And if you see any blood loss, I mean, it, it's, it's magnified. And so it's usually because I walked bad. in the room, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> dissecting away the bladder here, because <laughs> if you didn't know the bladder does attach the lower part of the uterus mm-hmm. and cervix. And so if we want to take that out, we just need to do some dissection here. So these mm-hmm. little dissection methods, you'll see me here in a second. Um, and you and you might also be wondering, okay, why is the uterus like just moving? Um, it's because we do put something in called a, called a uterine manipulator. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in the vagina, pushes the uterus up towards the camera. So it put, we, it, it's kind of getting pushed into the there's vagina. The yeah, there's that big fibroid. Hey. Yeah. And then it elevates the uterus off of the Look bowel that. and Look surrounding that blood tissue. Vessel. Oh, yeah. that's a good one, Eric. Yeah. yeah. yeah nice and juicy. Um, and so. Yeah, it, it helps because when you dissect tissues, you want. Um, uh, traction, we mm-hmm. call that, or just tension on the tissues. And so pushing the, the cervix and uterus in creates that and it makes the dissection easier, gets you know structures you really don't want to bother away. And so that's why we do it. Um, and so we already kind of, I got halfway th- across the bladder and then I kind of just zoomed forward here. Um, and this is me going down about to get the um, 
the rest of the um, bladder. So I'll connect that other di- see we just connected the dissection there and I'm pushing that bladder back down away from the cervix so we can make that cut across it later on here in a second. Um, and so just fit in. Yeah, go ahead, Olga. Hmm? Oh, I was just about to compliment Just you, admiring. But then, yeah, but then I didn't actually vocalize it because I didn't want it to go to your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to keep each other in check. Yeah. My favorite thing about uh, operating is when Eric pops into my OR and just starts criticizing me the whole time I'm there. That's a good one, but... It also happens all the way around. Don't don't you? Feel I actually I don't I'm, do that. I just talk about how slowly you're doing everything. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so I put it on one and a half speed. Um, so we do use a lot of electricity or electrocauter when we do these types of surgeries, just because they do help control the bleeding, um, and that's why you see the smoke. So we do have equipment to get the yeah. smoke out of the and that that green thing for the, the those that are watching the YouTube video. That's the uterine manipulator that Eric was talking about. So that helps us delineate where the cervix and the vagina are meeting. And helps us know where to make our cut to separate the two. Oh, I ended a little early. I just wanted, this is another video um, that we had and, and mm-hmm. consented for. And so that other one was a big pedunculated fibroid. Um, this one is kind of a medium sized, I would call it, um, fibroid. This is more of a um, intramural, we call mm-hmm. it, um, within the muscle, not as towards the outside. And so it's just a bit more, looks more bulgy there. Mm-hmm. You can see that, that. You, you can see the attachments of the fallopian tube and the round ligament on the right side, upper side, and that's normal uterus above that. And this is a posterior fibroid um, growing there and then starting the same way as we do before yeah. and everything. And so um, do you, do you always start on one side or do you, depending on what the body gives you? I have the uterine manipulator. I say pick a side. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, when we do have bigger fibroid uteruses, sometimes it makes the visualization a little bit more tricky and it's difficult to manipulate the uterus. So we might need to put in more instruments or put our incisions in different places just to kind of help us find a better spot to start. Um, yeah. We, and sometimes you, if you have a hard dissection, whether mm-hmm. it's scar tissue, a lot of C-sections, really big fibroids, um, you just need to make progress mm-hmm. and um, keep moving forward. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, that's kind of just some surgical video. hope you enjoyed yeah. it. hoping YouTube doesn't take it down. Um, but they shouldn't. Why? Oh, I don't know. There were like two blood cells. I was like, I is, that, is that me? <laughs> <laughs> Round ligament there we're going across and then it'll open up the, this nice little plane, which we really like to get into. It's mm-hmm. like avascular. So w- whenever we're doing sartentropathy, whenever we're doing laparoscopic and abdominal, the procedure is exactly the same as just what instrumentation we use. When we're doing things vaginally, we're essentially doing everything in reverse just because our access point is from yeah. below going backwards or going back right. up. So the technique is exactly the same for all, all procedures. It's just a matter of what is your starting point for the procedure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why in this one, but the, the bowels were just much more... You'll see if you see the posterior side, it was really hard to make the clopotomy because I just had to keep retraction on the bowel. And of mm-hmm. course, for, you know, for me, I don't always place that assistant port. So, mm-hmm. uh, Eric and I are notorious for not placing an assist port. Just save because. a skin incision or I save mean, a potential source of pain. Th- thank you. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. We get a lot of judgment for it. Um, so yeah, a couple, a couple surgery videos. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to bring you other ones, uh, including like myomectomy, mm-hmm. maybe we already did tubal, so we probably won't do that. Or I can toss it in the other one, um, in the YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hope you enjoy these surgical consults. We'll be right back with, um, 
the the final episode we're going to talk more about you know what that day is actually going to look like as far as pre-op mm-hmm. and post-op mm-hmm. and your recovery and long-term recovery after hysterectomy so stick on with us and we'll be right back